0: Hello, hello, season two, episode three of But You Don't Look Sick. Do you think I have to keep pointing that out at the beginning of every episode? Could somebody advise? I'm thinking probably not. Anyway, today's guest is Marjorie, who is a mom, a small business owner, and the creator of the food blog, A Pinch of Healthy. Marjorie and I connected on Instagram after she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, two completely different cancers, but just two people looking for hope and humor through the darkness that can be a cancer diagnosis. We have since connected on so many different levels, So many different topics from food to clean beauty and products on Paris Laundry, navigating the waters of life after a cancer diagnosis, but also what it's like to share your cancer diagnosis on social media. So I am so happy to have her here on the podcast today to share her own story in her own words. Marjorie, thank you so much for being here on the podcast today. I have been following you on Instagram And we have connected through there, but I'm so happy to talk to you and just shed light on everything that you've gone through. I know that you have heard the phrase, but you don't look sick and you have been vocal about that on your Instagram. And so I would just like, I just love your insight. I love your positivity. Um, I love how you kept going with everything you've been interested in, um, keeping up your business, your blog, you're a mom, a wife, and I feel like so many more people connect to our stories when we share them. And so I would love for you to kind of share what But You Don't Look Sick brought into your life, what that phrase means to you and what you've gone through in your story.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Kelsey. Um, I've followed you too. And <laughs> I, there's a handful of people on Instagram that I'm like, gosh, man, if I really knew them in real life, I think we could be really good friends. You're definitely in that handful for me. So thank you for having me. <laughs> and um, I I guess, like, mine goes back to um, when I first started to realize that I was sick. Um, I always tell people that I never really felt normal after the birth of my second child, my daughter. Um, with my first child, my son, there was sort of like a bounce back somewhere around, like, I would, I mean, it was really long for me, probably like 18 months to two years. I started to feel more like myself once all the breastfeeding was done and those things. Yeah. And I just never got that bounce back with Mallory. Um, I just like never felt like myself. And I, it was just like this period of mystery. I call it the mystery phase where I, I intuitively knew that something was off. Like I, I was tired. Um, I just, you know, I had just this collection of really vague symptoms, I didn't know that they were tied together at the time. Um, for example, probably the only misdiagnosis I had, um, I went to the dermatologist cause I developed like this weird rash and I was like, what is going on? And, um, she told me that I had eczema and gave me this cream that wasn't working. I would put it on, it was like a steroid cream <laughs> and the rash would just pop up somewhere else. And I was like, okay, that's weird. Um, come to find out that's a symptom of my cancer that I had. Um, I was tired all the time and, you know, like I would tell I would, and I would wonder out loud to my husband, like, why are normal things like so hard? Why is yeah. just, like the normal day so hard for me to get through? And it was really perplexing and confusing to me. And um but I something about me in particular, I really um I don't this is not necessarily a good thing. So I have like a high pain tolerance as far as like still maintaining some sort of function and being able to function. Um, It's not always pleasant, but that's just how I am. It's just like, well, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just kind of would push through and then just keep wondering like something doesn't feel right. And then towards the beginning of 2018, I started to feel a sensation in my chest. Like, it felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. And I was like, what? It was like just this pressure. It wasn't pain. Mm -hmm. It was just pressure. And I was like, well, that's weird. And so I kind of talked to my husband and my mom and dad about it. And we, you know, it would kind of come and go. It wasn't constant. And I I just started feeling things in in the center of my chest. And I was like, well, it's not really where my heart is. So I don't think it's like a heart issue. And because of all the things that I was doing, we just kind of were like, well, I'll go to the general practitioner eventually, but it's probably just anxiety. I probably just need to like not push so hard (laughs) in life. And so carry on, you know, just, just kept on with my normal life. And then towards spring and summer, I noticed like I would get really um, labored breathing when just, just doing simple things like going up one flight of stairs, I would go completely out of breath. And I'm like, what? Like, I know I'm not out of shape. Like I walk in the neighborhood several times a week, several miles. And I was just so confused. And um, I went to my general practitioner and told her what was going on. And she was very, very good. And I really um, credit her with being diagnosed so quickly. Um, I'm kind of, you know, I don't like to go to the doctor, so something has to really be wrong for me to go. Right. So I walk in her office. This is towards the end of August of 2018, and I just tell her kind of what I'm dealing with, and she's like, okay, well, I'm going to order you a chest X-ray and um, an echocardiogram. To just, you know, look at your heart. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for those to get scheduled, let's go ahead and treat you for asthma allergies and acid reflux you know this could be a lot of different things and so she gave me medicines for those minor things and I started using an inhaler which was interesting (laughs) and I remember um talking to someone who had asthma I was like the inhaler doesn't really help me like that's kind of weird and they were like what because it it helped me and so that was kind of my first clue like oh this probably isn't asthma And for one reason or another, it took them a while to schedule my chest x-ray and echo. I think I was being stubborn. I wanted them the same day so I didn't have to go to two (laughs) two different appointments because I got things to do over here. Um, It's just funny. Anyway, so um, this was on a Friday, like the first week of September. And I'll never forget it. My son was having his birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese the next day. And... Um, I got my chest x-ray and my doctor calls me and I had just picked up my daughter from preschool and she's like, where are are you sitting down? And I was like,
0: what? Oh no.
1: (laughs) I said, no, I'm driving. I'm driving my kid home from school. And she's like, okay, how far are you from home? And I said, about five minutes. She said, I'll call you in 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And, um, she called me and I, you know, I'm like bracing myself. I get a notebook and pen and I'm like, what is going on? And she goes, well, um, she was so vague. She's like, i know, you know, I probably want you to come in, but I, you know, I see that you have what we call plural effusion. And I was like, say what? And you know, these medical terms, it's like you have fluid on your lungs and I need to get a better picture Um, And you have a swollen lymph node in the center of your chest. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And she's like, let me just order you a CT scan for first thing Monday morning. Let's have you come into my office right after that around 11. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, this, I wasn't breathing. The breathing had gotten worse. Um, she said, with your blood oxygen levels and stuff, you could go to the hospital right now and check in and, until Monday if you want to. And I start crying. And I'm like, oh, That's no. a birthday party is tomorrow. Is it okay if I go? And she's like, well, yeah, if you feel like it, and just know that at any point, if you can't breathe, you know, get to the ER and they'll see your notes here and just, be admitted and I was like freaking out like what's yeah you know I feel like there's something she's not telling me and like what is it and at this point I'm thinking like do I have lung cancer that's what I'm thinking oh okay you know tell my parents everyone's freaked out um they're there for the birthday party my mom had packed for like a two-night trip so we go to the birthday party and it was so traumatic I felt terrible that day no one else knew I was sick I had all these friends coming with their kids to Chuck E. Cheese and I'm like Trying to host the party and trying to make it about Cannon, my son, and not about yeah. me not feeling good. And um, I, the party was from 10 to 12, which is so minor. And like all I had to do was sit there and greet people, and and that was the hardest. Like I was so traumatized by that because I was like, what is wrong with me? I can't. I just remember looking at the clock, thinking I can make it till noon. I can make it till noon. Well, noon comes, people are still playing games, and my son's still playing. Twelve fifteen 15 comes, they're still playing games and I'm about to lose it. And I finally yeah. look at my dad and I'm like, I have to go home right now. And we get out onto the parking lot and I just start bawling. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Uh, you know, like, yeah, having a moment of like, why could I not even get through a two hour birthday party where all I have to do is sit there. My parents stay the weekend. They end up extending their stay. They go with me to the CT scan. They're like, oh, we're going with you to the um, doctor's appointment too. And I'm like, good. And so my husband, you know, And both my parents come with me and, um, we sit down and my, um, uh, primary care is like, well, it's not good. She said, it looks as if you have lymphoma. Do you know what that is? And I was like, I, you know, you could have knocked me over with a feather after she said that word. I was like, well, I know it's cancer. Does it have something to do with the lymph node that's swollen? And she said, yes, you have a large tumor in the center of your chest. Um, it's a... What do they call it? She said, I've already consulted with um, Dr. Meta, who is now my oncologist. And she's like, he's mm-hmm. the lymphoma guy. Like, if you have lymphoma anywhere around here, you want to go to Dr. Meta. And she's like, he confirms, you know, this looks like lymphoma. She's like, we need to do a biopsy. Um, you know, I don't, the details of this are very fuzzy because I was so oh, yeah. shocked. And um, <clears throat> so... I'm freaked out because she's like, well, it's behind your sternum. And I'm like, well, how are they going to get to that? Are they going to have, I've never had surgery. I still have my tonsils. I have my wisdom teeth. Like nothing has ever been wrong with me. I'm like, so I'm just like, I'm reeling. And um, she's like, well, I don't know. You know, you'll have a surgeon that you'll meet with to do all this. And, da, 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 da. and I was just like process, just trying to process. And, right. um, <clears throat> She didn't know a lot. She's not a cancer specialist. And so she's like, I think the chemo regimen for most lymphomas are around three months. And um, so you'll be done by Christmas. And so I'm thinking like, yes, okay. So I'm like processing all this. And um, she's like, by the way, there's like so many different kinds of lymphomas. So don't go reading. <laughs> she's like, just wait for your biopsy. So that's what I did. Um, I went home and so my diagnosis is really two parts. So there's that, that moment, which I consider my diagnosis date. It was September 10th. Um, And then after that, I had to get a cardiothoracic surgeon because of where the mass was. They had to go in and um, this is my first surgery ever. I'd never been put under. And so um, he, because my symptoms were so severe at this point, um, they schedule it pretty quickly. I want to say it was within a week, a week and a half. He said, because your symptoms are so bad, we're going to try to drain all this fluid off your lungs so you can breathe. And I was like, Thank God. At least there's that to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so they go in and do my biopsy surgery. That goes fine. Um, the, it was traumatizing, too, because I had to have a chest tube after that. And it was sticking in to help the, the fluid drain, I guess. Yeah. I don't even I'm not clear on if it was the same fluid they drained off. I think it was different. Anyway, it was sticking in the side of my under my arm. Like yes. right where your bra yep. line is. Yep. Like in, in me,
0: and oh yeah, and it's far in there, and it yeah, it, hurts. it hurts. Yes, hmm. that's what. Same thing after my bilateral. They, I had two drains on both sides. I had no idea what. Like when they said drains, like I, I mean, I look back. Do you feel this way too? Like just like how naive, <laughs> like yes. Like, we are going into this. I I knew nothing about breast cancer. I, I was the same as you. I didn't have any surgeries. Nothing major had happened to <laughs> me. And then it's like, oh, you're going to have multiple surgeries in this am- amount of time and everything. Um, and I was just kind of like, but I mean, I feel like in, in the moment, you're just trying to go through the motion. I feel like I didn't process anything for a long time.
1: Yes. And that's so true. When you're in it, it's like, okay, what's the next thing? So after that, it's like, okay, well, we wait for the results. And for some reason, it took, like, the results two weeks to get back, which was just torture. Mm -hmm. Because they had told me it might be three to five days. And I don't know what happened, if it was hard (laughs) to diagnose. I don't know what it was. It took two weeks. And that was just, like, your mind. Even, like, I started to go to the space of, like, what if this is not cancer, you know? And my... I had a meeting with my first meeting with my oncologist and he was like, no, we're sure it's lymphoma. Um, we just need to know what kind, like you have all the classic symptoms. Like this is very classic lymphoma. Eventually they came back and said Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I believe nodular sclerosing. I mean, there's Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's and then there's subtypes of all those. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't even know there were so many. I mean, there's literally like, 60, 80 kinds of, I don't even know. There's lots of different kinds of lymphoma. And wow. Um, so um, he went ahead and even before I got that back, he went ahead and set up my port placement surgery for the next mm-hmm. week. And um, they kind of, at my first oncologist appointment, because I didn't know what kind yet, they kind of talked through the different chemo regimens. Um, all of them were six months, not three
0: <laughs> oh, so you have you already in your head were like I'm gonna be done she said I'm gonna be done by Christmas.
1: Exactly. I was like, Oh, done by spring break <laughs> <laughs> So um it was more processing and you know as a mother too it's it's mm-hmm. really tricky to kind of go through I mean my kids were two and you know, my son had just turned six, like literally his birthday party was right in the middle of all this for me. So, they're not at the ages where you just like lay it all out there, you know? Right. Um, Which is kind of good because they had no associations with the word cancer, which I think was really helpful for me. Yeah. So, with my son, we just told him, like, mommy's sick. Um, sicker than a cold or flu, you know, and I have, you know, this thing in the center of my chest. And at that point I had had a PET scan and knew that I had it also in my spleen, um, and some other lymph nodes. And so they diagnosed me at stage three. Um, I wonder all the time, like how long did I have this? And um, I really, I don't know. I don't know. Um,
0: how long sure. were you experiencing symptoms? Like you said, after the birth of your daughter, how long was that time frame that you kind of just pushed through the fatigue and everything before you were like, you know what, I I can't walk up the stairs. I need to. How long was that?
1: Like two and a half years. She was wow. two and a half diagnosed. So probably you know once she was eighteen months, two years, I started thinking like, okay this is something's not right. Are my hormones? Not, I mean, you go through just a series of yeah. like Dr. Google moments.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> what, what's
1: wrong with me? Is it my hormones? Is it, do I have, I don't know. I just went through so many scenarios in my
0: head. Um, I did too. I, I, I self-diagnosed myself with some type of thyroid thing. I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm, I'm losing my hair. Same thing. I was like, I'm losing weight. I'm I'm so fatigued. I just kept saying, oh, cause I just had my fourth baby and I, I stopped breastfeeding Odette. And then something just, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not breastfeeding anymore. Like, but I'm not getting any of this. I'm not getting any energy back. Um, I'm not gaining any weight. Like, you know, not that I was like, Oh, you know, when I stop breastfeeding, I'm going to gain weight. Just, I was like, my body's not going producing anything else right now. Like, why am I losing my hair why am I so fatigued what is it and I was doing the same thing as you I'm like I'm just gonna push through I'm and I was like it's thyroid I kept telling like I would go to the doctor and be like I think it's my thyroid <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like I knew nothing
1: Yep. Yeah. same I had my OBGYN that year to check my thyroid I remember because yeah. I was like maybe it's that I don't know so many things. And, um, I don't know about for you, but for me, like in some weird way, the cancer diagnosis was like hugely, hugely validating because like I had, I was not feeling good to the point of like, I didn't want to do social things anymore. Yep. Now I'm an introvert, so that's not totally off, but like, I, I like people still, like I still like to go out <laughs> and, you know, like, and I was getting to the point where like I just didn't have the energy to even be around people and it was so strange. And I would pull back from like I didn't even want to go to dinner with like my yes. best friend. And and it just I was like, What's wrong with me? And so it was super validating to be like, Oh yeah, I was really, yeah. really sick.
0: Yes. I thought I was crazy because like I'm the same like I'm just type like tough as nails. I don't go to the doctor for I mean, Chris, I remember before um like I had ever been diagnosed, he was like, you have never gone to the doctor unless it was like you're having a baby. You, yeah. you had to drag me to my OB appointments. Cause I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to sit there for 45 minutes and they're going to weigh me and they're going to measure my stomach and they're going to let me go. I was just never wanting to go. And so I felt like, I felt so crazy for a year Because I kept saying I've had a blood clot twice in my leg and everybody's saying that I'm perfectly fine. I'm 29 years old and I'm so healthy. Um, Everybody's saying my blood work is coming back fine. I don't have a thyroid issue. And I just kept feeling like, honestly, I felt like I was a failure as a mom because I was so tired all the time. And I just kept saying that, like the kids would be like, mom, let's go outside and can you push me on the swings? And I would say, you guys, I'm just so tired. and. I started then to, it was like a spiraling thing where I started to get really down on myself as a mom. Um, and I was like, I'm an awful mom. I don't want to do anything. Um, I'm tired when I wake up. And so I was always just frustrated, rushing them off to school. And every little setback set, sent me just into like, just like further, not like depression, but just like further frustration and sadness, you know, like Ace wouldn't put on his shoes. And I just didn't have the energy. I would just sit on the floor. And I was like, I don't even have the energy to 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 wrangle your shoes on right now. And I just started to feel so down on myself. So I, I feel that so much. And hearing you say that really does make me feel like, wow, that it was a huge validation sitting in that room and them saying you have cancer because it was just kind of like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Like, I don't want cancer, (laughs) but I'm also not crazy. (laughs) Yes. Like, oh, my
1: intuition was right. Something is really wrong. And
0: yes, yes, exactly. So then after you got diagnosed, so it was six months of... So um, I had four different chemo drugs. I went every two
1: weeks for 12 weeks. And um, I I don't know, did you have to take... I don't even remember the name. Is it a adromycin, it's the red devil. Did you have to
0: take red devil? I didn't have the red devil. I did okay. TCHP, um, which it was just a, it's a targeted regimen specifically for HER2 positive cancer. So it targeted the exacerbation of the gene that was fueling my cancer at a rapid rate. Um, just because my cancer was predominantly driven by hormones. Um, but I do know that, yeah, like the The red devil is definitely still one they use a lot in breast cancers too.
1: It's a pretty old drug, but I just remember that one specifically because it was my first chemo drug of my first Mm -hmm. chemo. They come out. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the nurse comes out in an apron, double gloves, a mask, (laughs) and I'm like, my husband and I both start crying. Oh, it's, no. so, it's so traumatizing because you're like, this is about to go
0: inside of my vein. Yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they can't even touch you. They're, they're like about to touch you in a hazmat suit.
1: And she she must have seen and the poor nurse must have seen like the terror in her eyes. She's like, Oh, we just have to wear all this because it's really corrosive. And I was like, That's not a helpful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> um, so I had three other drugs with that. One of them was a new drug um, called Etcetris, which had really good outcomes. Um, and it had really low rates of recurrence. So I was really okay. thankful to get that one. Um, and then I can't remember what
0: my other, maybe, uh, I
1: can't, it's like it's left in my memory. I used to be able to, to just like list them off. Oh like yeah. Kind of like once time <laughs> goes
0: on, I feel like, I feel like as the time goes on, the chemo brain starts to set in more and more. Cause I'm like, what did
1: I have again? <laughs> right. I used to know. But um, at the first chemo, you know, they told me, you will lose your hair. Um, it'll probably be about okay. two weeks. And so I got through the first chemo, and that was a major, you know, like, that's just so traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, just even going, it's just like, just a whole, like, I'm not a cancer patient. Like, yeah. this is this is something that happens to other people, like, not me. Mm-hmm. So it felt weird going in there. It just felt, you know, in some ways it feels like you're watching it happen to someone
0: else.
1: Yeah. It's such a strange, surreal experience, but just like you said, it's just like the next hurdle to get over. And so I got through that first chemo, um, and right before my second chemo, my hair started falling out. Like I Mm -hmm. I went to take a shower one day and it just, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. handfuls of hair. Here we go. And so I had found this place that made um, halo wigs out of your hair. Know, okay. so I just went ahead, like the second my hair started falling out, I,
0: I watched a uh-huh.
1: little tutorial and like cut, they have to the, put these little rubber bands all over <laughs> your head and, and cut the hair, which at first I cried at the first cut. My mom cut the hair for me. Uh, which, by the way, my mom, shout out to my mom, um, who packed for a two-night trip and ended up staying for a month. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, that
0: is amazing.
1: Because, like, uh, she just stayed, she just, like, lived with us for a month and did things yeah. the kids so that I could, like, collect myself and, like, rest. Yeah. And So, anyway, my mom did the haircut, and um, I, it was just, we, the first cut happened, and then after that, I just started laughing because she was, mm-hmm. like... I could tell she was fretting over cutting it <laughs> evenly. And I was like, this is kind of hilarious because it's so, I'm about to not have any hair." Yeah. And, um, so we kind of laughed through it and it, it really, that was one of the first times where I was like, wow, laughter. Like that helps so much to oh laugh, even at like really, really hard moments, really dark moments. Um, it helps so much because we just like giggled to the point. I think I started crying laughing. Not, not like traumatized crime, but like, I was laughing
0: so hard. Yeah. It was just so absurd. Um, yes. And, so, and that's how, like, do you feel like, I mean, uh, now, I mean, I think I shared a lot of it on social media. And I, some people get my humor. I want to say a lot of times people do not get <laughs> my humor. But, like, we laughed so much in our house. And the jokes were just nonstop. The kids, like you said, I feel very blessed that my kids were so young when it happened because they didn't know, like, just like you said, too, they didn't know what cancer was. Um, My kids had no idea you could die from cancer until somebody at the Kroger checkout had said that their ex husband or second husband died of lung cancer. No. Oh. My kids had no idea. We went about it the same way. Mom is sick, but mom is going to take this medicine that's going to, it's going to make her lose her hair and all these things, but it's going to make her better. It's going to kill the sickness. And they were just like, yeah, okay. Like they were fine with it. But I mean, we had some really, sometimes I watched some of the videos of like just end of 2017, 2018. And I was like, how bad do you think we screwed up our kids? <laughs> with like <laughs> this Dysfunctional humor of being bald and like, I used to like say things like I look like uncle fester because like, <laughs> like, the, the kids thought that I should be like a sumo wrestler or something for Halloween one year, because they were like, mom, you have a bald head. Like you could easily like the, the jokes were just nonstop, but I felt like that made us so much closer.
1: Yes. Um, I also have to shout out to my, um, lymphomy my, my fellow cancer friend around this time I found um Angie on Instagram who had got diagnosed like just not even a month before me mm-hmm. and um she was my dark humor person like we would just <laughs> we mm-hmm. would laugh at because like I think my husband's one does like he didn't quite get what this is not funny <laughs> you know and so I had Angie to like we would just text all day about the weird stuff that was happening and she was like a month ahead of me. And so, um, I'd be like, tell me what's going to happen now. You know, like what, Yeah, how did this chemo go? And, um, we would laugh about how we like lint rolled our heads while our hair was falling (laughs) out and stuff. And like, um, Oh, there's also an account on Instagram. Do you follow the cancer patient?
0: I did in, in the beginning, not, I have nothing against them, but I felt like sometimes they, Sometimes I'm like, that wasn't fun.
1: Like, that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, some of the things I don't agree with what she says. Yeah. But during that time, it was so helpful for me yeah. to be able to, like, she is highly inappropriate and, like, <laughs> highly irreverent. And I needed that at that time. And that yes. was super, super helpful. Um, so, yeah, that dark humor memes um, and, like, shared experience with with Angie, like, that really, really helped me. So much and
0: finding so. people on Instagram like I know that and I had no idea I think that was um, a big thing in the beginning was I had my blog for however many years and I just shared lighthearted motherhood in Alaska and fashion and beauty and whatever but I was like I don't know if I want to share this on my blog like this is gonna go real dark real quick but then I I started thinking about how that's what I was looking for, though. I was looking for something that was going to give me like the real raw truth, but not all negative, like some, there had to be some sort of positivity or something. Like I wanted to see people that were still doing things despite being in treatment. So I was like, where am I going to find these people? And I remember I felt so weird going into Instagram. It was almost like I was like being covert, like in this thing. And I went to it and I just like typed in and it was like so slowly. I was like, I don't know what's going to pop up. I don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, breast cancer. (laughs) And then I just like all these things popped up and I was just scrolling and scrolling thinking like, okay, what do I do now? Wow. There's a lot of people on here that have breast cancer. And I was just looking for somebody maybe that had a smile on their face and, but sharing it on Instagram finally just opened up a world and a community that I didn't even know existed. Yes, same.
1: I think that's how I found you because it was right around that same time. Yeah. I was searching cancer hashtags and like, I was like, I just need to have hope. I need to yeah. see people who have been through this and come out the other side and, and like visually see that like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. That is so, so helpful. And it seems weird. And Angie and I, we still want to meet, like we were going to try to meet Last summer, um, but my neuropathy was still so bad. Like, um, I went through the chemo. I um, finished up, and it got rid of my cancer. Thank God. Wow. Thank um, God. And so, past the PET scans and all that. Um, well, then you finish treatment, and it's like, I think the perception is like, okay, well, I get my life back now. And yep. And the reality is like, okay, all the trauma that you haven't processed yet is gonna hit you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so um, that's what happened. And, and like I was left with all these side effects. Um, mm-hmm. I had really bad. I don't remember what grade. I don't know the grades, but it's it's pretty severe neuropathy in my feet and legs. And okay. it, um, my oncologist told me, he's like, actually, of all the people I've treated on your regimen, you're the worst one. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks.
0: Oh, great. That's the use? award you want to win. <laughs>
1: So um, I'm still actually dealing with that today. Um, So I did like six months of physical therapy. Um, I tried to like go back to being mom and even still during those several months to a year, it was very hard for me to just like get my kids dressed in the morning and take them to childcare was Mm -hmm. extremely hard. And I would get back some days I would get back from taking them and it's like, I couldn't even work. I would just have to like sit there and recover until it was time to go pick them up again. And that was hard, too, because I think a lot, I would go to church, and um, people, you know, would ask how I was doing, and I, you know, you can kind of gauge whether or not people really, really want to hear their really answer, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so, like, in passing, people, yeah, oh, doing better, yeah, you know, kind of point at me, and like, yeah, mm-hmm, you so <laughs> know. <laughs> um, and so, after that happened a few times one Sunday, someone asked me how I was doing, and I just broke down crying. I was like, I'm not yeah. okay. My life is a train wreck and I can't do anything. I can't walk and I can't wear normal shoes and blah, blah, blah. And um, so, yeah, it was it was hard. I think that's a part that not a lot of people talk about, um, yeah. how hard it is after treatment. Because when you're going through it, like you said, there's like always a new obstacle to get through and you can kind of focus on that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you're not really processing what's actually happened yes. to you up to that point. And so you have all this trauma, this unprocessed trauma And once your time kind of frees up, you don't have quite as many chemo appointments and oncologist appointments. It's like all that stuff bubbles up to the surface. And it's
0: like, wow, I have a lot of
1: stuff to still deal with.
0: Definitely the thing that um, people don't talk about. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that our oncology doctors, um, our surgeons, everybody is there to um, treat the immediate danger. You know, like I, I mean, I remember first getting diagnosed. There was other things that were popping up in my health. Um, you know, they thought that I had a spot on my liver and everything like that. And I remember my oncologist was like, Kelsey, yes, the spot on your liver is very scary, but we we need to um, – we have bigger fish to fry. And I was like, well, I, what does that mean? What, if it, like, what fish are we frying? Like I was just like, <laughs> what does this – you know, they're there to treat what they're specialized in and the immediate thing. And then after that, they don't know how to, you know, then they're not therapists. They're, they don't know how to piece your life back together. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed in just talking to so many women who have been diagnosed and are trying to get their life back is that they're so focused on the life they had before cancer, but they don't realize that you're, you're never going to go back to that life not because you don't want to, but you're a different person. Cancer changes you. You know, it changes you. It changes your family. Like I think in a lot of ways, sometimes I feel like it changed Chris more than it changed me because he was my caregiver and nobody was ever asking him how he was doing.
1: Mm. Yeah. And even just, you know, after cancer, there's always the, the looming threat of recurrence. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a cough was another symptom that I had. And I I remember we went to see my parents over the 4th of July, like a month or two right before I got diagnosed and I caught a really bad cold and just never stopped coughing after that, which is another thing I was like, Oh, maybe it's bronchitis, pneumonia. Um, So now every time I get a cold and like the cough lingers, it's like so triggering. Um, Or anytime you wake up with like a little pain in your neck or there's a lump or a bump somewhere, it's like, Oh gosh, you know, like I'm, It's just it's not you you can't live in that blissfully ignorant state that you were in before. Yeah. It
0: just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I guess like what I
1: would what I would want to tell other people who are going through it now, like, no, you'll never go back to how it was before, but that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. it does get easier. You do become less triggered by getting colds eventually. Like I have I'm sorry, I'm sniffling right now. Oh I have a non COVID (laughs) a non-COVID cold right now. Um, I feel
0: like I need a t-shirt that says that because like I can't, I told Chris, I said, I'm so afraid to go out of the house because what if I have to cough? (laughs) I I know.
1: So, um, it does, but it does get easier. It never goes away. Like there's mm -hmm. always a, a different awareness there than was before because you know, what could happen, um, and there's also a new appreciation, like, um, yeah. we're not promised tomorrow. None of us are. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah, um, yep. So there's that, too, like, you just, and that's a gift, because you, you don't yes. want to have any regrets, you know? You can't you can't always just put things off, like, oh, I'll do it eventually, because you, you none of us are promised tomorrow, Yeah, you
0: know? Yeah, and it really, for me, it just gave me the perspective, and I'm sure that you feel this way, too, because you put... Yourself, You know, you put your health off for so long just thinking that, oh, it's just, this is just how my second pregnancy went. You know, like I'm just not bouncing back. You made excuses for yourself to just stay in mom mode, to still take care of your toddler, to take care of your older son, like to do all of those things. I feel like this has now, cancer forced me to put myself first. Fighting cancer became my full-time job and I would have never put my health first or any of that like I would have just kept going on the path I was going um and now I really understand how I have to put mentally and physically I have to put myself first and that's not selfish
1: right no I mean it's almost like we were forced to do Mm -hmm. that um So, yeah, that's a lesson, too, is to pay attention to those little inklings that you have. Like, something's not right. Go
0: to the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, get get checked out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not a hypochondriac for doing it. You know, like, we all want to be tough, and we all want to think that we don't need any help, and that we know what we're doing and everything. But it's not a weakness to go to the doctor it's also not a weakness to get a second opinion a third like if you know something's wrong with you and I wish I would have like if I could go back and tell myself something it would have been like yes they're doctors but you don't have to trust everything like trust your own intuition more than you're trusting somebody who's just met you and giving you a once over for five minutes like yes they're doctors and you know But you don't. You don't have to put all of your trust in them. And I kind of wish I would have pushed a little bit harder and said, "Okay, so it's not my thyroid." But then what? What is it? It's something. (laughs) Yeah, but I felt like I just felt like a burden. I felt like I'm not going to keep pestering them. They're telling me that I'm fine. Now I'm just going to be crazy. And now, in you know, coming full circle if anything, if I have a pain in my back, like I call my oncology office, like I'm like, boom, boom, boom. Like, nope. Nurse said, she's going to call me back in 10 minutes. Hello, it's Kelsey Vucci again. And it has been 10 minutes. (laughs) Like Exactly. You have to, but
1: that's a gift. That's a gift to be able to, you know, I wish it didn't take cancer to, you know, (laughs) teach me that. But now it's like, no, that's, that's a non-negotiable. Got to to take care of, especially as moms, like we have so much on us. We have, and business owners, we have so many Mm -hmm. people depending on us. Um,
0: you gotta take care of yourself
1: in order to be able to take care of it.
0: How did you juggle that? Because you still kept your blog going and that is your business. Um, and how did you, how did you manage that? Because I mean, not only do you have an amazing Instagram platform, um, but you have an amazing blog and you share, recipes and so much food that I wish that I could like jump through the screen and just be like, Hey, could, can I just eat that right now? Cause I don't want to cook. Um, how did you find, did you find that it was helpful to keep that going to pour some energy into that during cancer or how did you kind of navigate that?
1: Yes. First of all, thank you for all the kind things you just said. Um, it did help me now, you know, behind the scenes, There was a lot of like republishing old content um, just to kind of keep things, you know, to the customer facing side, um, keep things going. You know, I I did spend a lot of time not working. Mm -hmm. It was helpful on days that I was feeling good to work. I just, everything was at a much slower pace. Mm -hmm. Um, I would get frustrated because I couldn't do as much as I could do before, Mm -hmm. but Again, it, it gave me an opportunity to do something that I enjoy, um, something that took my focus off of being sick. And, yes. Um, and the way that I create content, when I create a recipe, that's evergreen. So I know that's something that's going to be out there forever. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was extremely helpful going through my cancer battle because all those old recipes were still getting traffic and I was still yeah. getting income from. It. So that was that was. Very um, helpful, but it, there was also I had those feelings of oh my gosh I'm falling behind everybody else you know there's all these bloggers who don't have kids and definitely they don't have cancer if, you know and you know I'm going to be left behind so there was those mm-hmm. feelings but I just I had some days like I just couldn't really do much at all um, yeah and I did I was very um, I shared a lot, especially on Instagram, but Mm -hmm. I feel like during that time, especially, I I really developed um, a good sense of like, when do I, when is it a good idea for me to share and and when do I need to just kind of pull back, you know, because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much going on, even in the middle of it. You're like, I still haven't processed a lot of the, so I had to just like really sit with myself before, you know, I'm not just going to on a whim share. I'd have to like, think about it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Is this something I really want to say? Is it something I want to express? Is it it val- could it be valuable to others? Um, so yeah,
0: it, it was I tricky. Should, I should going. really <laughs> take some of that feedback. I should really sit and process before I get on the <laughs> I just, something pops in my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to say this. Or I'm just going to tell everybody what just happened to me. Like, I don't really, I should probably take that tip, Marjorie, and really sit with that for a minute. Well, there's some of that
1: too. I do that now, too, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, but, you know, being on the internet now for, there's definitely a balance to strike, you know, with what to share versus what not, and, and on that note, just, and I think people know this, but we forget, people just automatically, you know, they, they share most of, even when they're sharing negative things, you know, maybe there's a positive spin on it when they're sharing, and it, it seems, everything seems so rosy on Instagram, yeah. Like, to me, yep. like, Instagram is the place to be kind of silly, kind of maybe a little bit vain, you know. Yeah. It was a really lively discussion I had on my Insta stories about filters last week. Yeah. <laughs> i still processing. I don't know. It, it just, you know, but I kind of feel like we all know that it's a place where everything looks a little shinier than it is in real life. But at the same time, like, I try to insert some real life into yes. there. Um, but just know that with anything, um they're everyone we're all just broken people you know like Mm -hmm. everyone has messes behind the scenes everyone has things that they're dealing with that are not necessarily public and and so um just know that everyone has messes even if it looks like they're dealing with things great Mm -hmm. and that the business is still rolling like there's still those feelings of inadequacy those anxious feelings of like oh my gosh what if i fall behind or yeah there's still you know we're all just broken people like just trying to just trying to do the best we can, you know
0: I think that is perfect advice and definitely something that um, goes along with you know people don't look sick, and so you never know what somebody's dealing with on the back end, and not everybody wants to share. I went through that moment of like I don't want to share this i'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of go away quietly, you know, and then I'm just gonna reemerge with short hair and <laughs> everything's going to be fine. But I was like, I don't want to share this. I, I, that's how I felt in the beginning was just like, I I don't want to do this. And Chris was kind of like, that is so unlike you, like you normally want to share if it's helpful to somebody or you, I've always just kind of been that person that I'm willing to air my dirty laundry. If it means that it helps somebody else feel normal. I'm, I'm, I'm just always that person. Like I'll always just be there kind of like for the underdog, like, okay, like I'm here for you. If, if I can do it, you can do it. And, um, we can all be in this together. And that's just kind of like where the place I came from in my diagnosis was like, okay, there's gotta be another 30 year old that has kids that is just feeling so alone right now. And like, they can't talk to anyone because you know, your family just wants to make you feel better, but you don't you're not going to feel better. You're like, you're not going to feel better for a while. So, you know, they're saying it's going to be okay. And they want to spit statistics out at you. Well, 86% of people that have been diagnosed with blah, blah, blah. And they've lived 45 years and you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's great. But I'm me. And this feels so personal and it is personal, but like this feels so specific. And I just want to find other people that, that have that. And so it, you know, but at the same time, even if somebody doesn't share something on Instagram, like you said, it doesn't mean that there's not things going on behind the scenes.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons
0: I love your Instagram so
1: much. There's just a realness, you know, to it. and you are so real. And you know, that's I, I feel like the word authenticity gets thrown around so much now that like, it's almost lost its <laughs> meaning. Like to, to, to the Instagram, I'm using this term very loosely to the community at large. It's like, Authenticity equals oversharing. And I'm like, no, authenticity is like being who you actually are and, like, I don't know, not sugarcoating things, but just like being really true to what's happening in the moment. I mean, really honest. And, um, I don't know, what do you, do you feel like authenticity has been kind of watered down lately? Like that's, it's
0: almost like a buzzword. Yeah. I kind of feel like we've gotten to this point and I think it was like 2019, maybe end of 2019 and into 2020 where everybody's just like, I'm so real. I just want to be real. And everybody's talking about being real, but they're not be they're not sharing anything that's, that's real. You know what I mean? It's like, they're still having the filters. They're still face tuning their like Instagram things, like They're still doing all all of these things that are not real, but they're saying, I'm so real. (laughs) That's how I kind of feel like is, and people are writing the captions. I just want to be my authentic self. Well, if you're your authentic self, you don't have to write a caption about it. People can see it. There's, you know, and I, I feel a lot of that way sometimes in the breast cancer community and the cancer community is, you know, people want to put it out there like you should feel or act a certain way after diagnosis or while you're going through treatment it's like listen if you want to wear a wig wear a wig if you don't want to wear a wig don't wear a wig that doesn't mean you're you're better or worse or there's not these there's not always these two paradigms of good and bad and this is the way you're supposed to do things and like there is none of that and so i do feel like there is this this weirdness on instagram where it is it's like people want to preach how much they are authentic and real but yet they're not displaying any of that authenticity they just want i think they want to say it to make themselves feel better yes
1: oh you hit the nail on the head that is absolutely (laughs) Right. And I'm like, I want to show me your heart. Like, I want to know who are you really like, or what are you experiencing right now that you can talk about and like really speak to, like really honestly, and maybe even say a few things that maybe some of us who are going through, like we think it, but we're kind of afraid to say it out Mm -hmm. loud, you know? Yeah. Um, To me, like that, that's authenticity right there. Yeah. Um, And
0: I think, I think we're getting, I think more people are getting that way, especially with brands and just the climate of, our society as a whole with small businesses taking a huge hit, um, this year, I think people are dialing back. And I think that consumers and people that absorb social media, they, they want to just said, they want to see the heart and they want to see more behind the scenes. And they want to see that like, everyone is going through something. Everyone struggles. It's not this like rosy, You know, I think there's two things. I think there are people that go on Instagram and they want to see all of the staged pretty photos and, 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 and there's a place for that. There's a huge place for that. Everybody wants inspiration, whether it's home decor, fashion, food, you know, like I'm sure you spend hours perfecting the, the shot of the food that you have just put so much work into, you know, because you know that that content lives on Pinterest or Instagram, and people want to see a pretty enticing photo. Um, so I think there's a place for that, and then there's also the place of, you know, show show me a little bit more, show me show me something that I can relate to. Because I'm sorry, I can't relate to a clean house. I don't have a clean house. Exactly, and you're you're so right. There's a place for that. Like for
1: example, in my business, like I can you can't. There there's so much competition for attention and clicks on the internet that mm-hmm. if you want people to click on your recipe, you got to have an eye-catching shot. Now, it doesn't mean that I have to be like the best photographer there is, but you have to be decent enough to, to be able to get people to click through and be like, oh yeah, I really want to make that. Um, but at the same time, um, like in stories is, is mainly where I put it. The, mm-hmm. You have to be relatable. Like yeah. I'll show my kitchen that has 90s decor, like builder grade, white plain countertop, paint peeling off. You know, thing. yeah, it's, you know, the kitchen that when we moved in 10 years ago, we said we were going to remodel and we never have because yeah. life. And, you know, I feel like people can relate to that. So yeah. um, that, the place for me on Instagram right now um, is in stories. That's where I do a lot of that. You know, the feed is, is the one um, that looks a little more curated, but yeah. Even so, I'm trying to put more things, especially in the captions that share more of my heart and that are more authentic and, um, really kind of go there, you know?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's, it's, it's needed. And I think the people that don't want to share, um, not that anyone has to, but like the people that do just want to keep things personal and close, I think that they appreciate that realness and, um, and reading those captions and knowing your heart and your feelings and knowing that you've gone through all of this, but there's positives, there's good days, there's bad days. There's, there's still so much, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. Um, and I'm glad that people get to see that, but I think especially if you're going through something and you don't look sick, um, it's just, it's just a way to, to really connect with people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't look sick at all. Like I look at pictures of me, from that time, it's it's just kind of mind-blowing. Even, I, I think I pulled up an, an old Instagram video that was, like, three weeks before my diagnosis, and I shared it one day on <laughs> stories, because I was talking about my hair, and I was trying to show, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, I mean, like, I'm glowing, my makeup yep. looks not, you know, my skin looks good, and, like, I look so, you couldn't tell I was out of breath, because I was sitting down, um, did not look sick at all. Yep. Yep. What you see is not always what is happening on the inside. So
0: Yes. Well, that is a great way to round out this episode. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and giving so much great insight and takeaways. Um, I, I know so many people will be able to connect with your story. Um, thank you and for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, they can find me on... All
1: the socials um, at a pinch of healthy, and my site is a pinch
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelsey.